0: This is a crowd podcast.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Julie Lowry, also known as Half Pint. To be more like Julie, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Joe Marler is a big hearted man and he's got... A podcast plan. It's the Joe Marley Show. It's the Joe Marley Show. Oh, oh, oh. So we're all back in the room. We've all had a little breather and collected our thoughts. So I suppose this is going to be part two with Bexy Cameron. Mm -hmm. Joe, where should we go next? We're we're both quite, I think, interested slash freaked out by how easily people can be manipulated. Because, Bexy we see this even today, don't we? With the stuff like the Capitol Hill insurrection, or maybe some of the stuff around Brexit, or even, I don't know if this is really culty, some of the stuff you get around big companies, about how it's not just I'm working for a company, how people buy in totally to the ethos. It's more than just a job.
2: Well, if you think about some of the big tech companies mentioning no names, Google, <laughs> um, <laughs> <you're> thinking- <laughs> Sorry, were you asking me
0: to Google those companies? Or- <laughs>
2: yes, exactly that. Ah. If you, you know, you go to their kind of compounds, which are in Silicon Valley, and you have somewhere where you do your laundry, you have your food uh, made for you. You have napping pods, a.k.a. don't leave. You have these ethos around the company, which like, you know, everyone has that kind of like mantras, etc., that they say, the vernacular. You know, they have little things where like, oh, you put on the, the Google 15 pounds when you join because they've got cheese boards everywhere. And it's like this... There is this kind of there it's it, there's a lot of comparisons, I think, between those kind of companies and corporations and cults in a way because when you
0: join google you put on 15 pounds. yeah
2: they call it like the google 15 pounds because there's because there's just so much fruit food everywhere i mean i got to be honest with you google in comparison to the children of god we had no cheese boards there was <laughs> nothing like that going on we didn't have a slide going into a ball pen you know all that shit that you see in their offices where we you're like oh my god like does anyone ever use this but the napping pod i can get behind
0: yeah uh, it'd be nice think, wouldn't it i think it's because of the word cult that scares people or immediately goes oh god it must be negative because it's called a cult but the way you've just described google and other big businesses Mm. and the culture that they create in order for their staff to work efficiently and get the best out of them is there is there anything wrong with that
2: no, I mean, it's just it's just drawing comparisons, isn't it? And, you know, that's how they get people to stay and that's how they get people to you know, work really hard and pull those hours just because they are in an environment where they feel like, you know, it's not about joining a company, it's about finding your people in a way, you know? It's that thing, again. So it's and, a very
0: clever way yeah, of twisting it Yeah, it's very, very clever. Really. But of course, you
2: know, in comparison, it's, you know, very harmless in comparison to, you know, other groups that are out there. But you are right to kind of pull the comparisons of, you know, Capitol Hill things like that. The point being that... People in the right place at the right time with the right kind of momentum behind them can, you know, galvanise around ideas. Um, and I never say this right. Is it QAnon?
0: QAnon, yeah.
2: QAnon. Sorry. Look at. Look at.
0: Sorry. Q non.
2: Yeah, because it's it's an acronym, isn't it? And there's a huge amount of them in the UK that have this whole idea around what's happening with governments and conspiracy theories. And it's like rising at an h- exponential rate. Um, you know, they believe that there's kind of like witchcraft and Satanism and all kinds of stuff happening behind the scenes. Look into it. It's, it's, it's wild. It's totally wild. It's not Scientology. It's a more of an online group of conspiracy theorists. But like they did, a, and I might get these figures wrong, but I only researched this a couple of weeks ago. So if it is incorrect, I apologise but they were saying that there was something in, in the region of like one in four people in the UK that was starting to have leanings towards believing it and it's like, it's mad. Um, so, you know, it's about the right time, right place, right person to kind of, you know, look at anti-vaxxers and all the stuff that's happening around that. So there are comparisons that you can draw and that's why whenever people say to me, well, how did your parents join? It's like, think about the time and the place and think about what they were going through and the Vietnam War and all of the stuff that was happening with the riots and everything, that you know, marches for everything going on at that time and I can almost imagine being in that time period and thinking to myself the world can't go on you know nuclear war all the rest of that you know everything that was going on politically so I always I like to think that the majority of people that joined the children of God did it because of a good purpose rather than a negative one and it just went horribly wrong but you can see yeah you can draw lots of comparisons to what's happening in in, you know society now
1: if we were to try and start a benign cult <laughs> with joe as our cult leader
0: does that mean only nine people can join yeah yeah it
1: would yeah. be a very small cult Bexy, how would we do it
2: <laughs> well as you say first of all you need a charismatic puppet so tick on that <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm oh, kidding oh, cut me, cut, I'm absolutely kidding okay you know. that's nice do you know Puppy. what the, oh, fuck. No, this is the unfortunate thing it's like there aren't really not unfortunate but there really weren't that many female cult leaders so maybe we could be the first you know and have instead of you know, Joe. It could be me, but
0: perfect. Yeah,
2: um, but no, I. I I'd why? Struggle. Why?
0: Why do you think that is?
2: Um, they, because
0: men are they, pieces of shit.
2: Well, they tended to take a more of a girl Friday role within the group. So, for example, the kind of matriarchal sidekick that you know David Berg had, um, Mama Maria. Like, there's there's tons of examples of that. The only real female cult leader that most people think of is Oshos she, Sheila from the Oshos.
0: What's O-Shows?
2: The O-Shows is the... Did you ever see Wild Wild Country? It's on Netflix. It's an amazing series. I absolutely recommend it. When, yeah, it's about people who cathartically dance. It's all kind of meditation. It's very Eastern-based religion. And they all wore red, and they basically bought a piece of a town in America and created, like, a commune of, like, 10,000 people. It was huge. The series is incredible. And this woman, Sheila, who was terrifyingly brilliant and badass and with this devil-may-care, give-a-fuck attitude, like, like, you watch her in front of the press, the questions that they ask and how she responds, you're like, oh my god, like, I almost could have joined this cult. Although saying that, the only... Cult. I think I would have ever joined was the Sauce Family. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Who the was Sauce the source Family. The Sauce Family was the reason. I, w- why... I want
0: them to be people that just eat sauces. No, no, no.
2: The sauce. So- <laughs> yeah, but that. I mean, I joined that as well. I love a condiment. <laughs> all about condiments. The Sauce Family was run by a guy who used to be an actor and now he was a millionaire. So most cults have the um, structure of you give us all your money. and we'll welcome you in. So, you know, sell your possessions and goods, give it to the group, and that's how they survive. This group was completely different, where this guy was a millionaire and he funded the entire group. Not only did he fund it, everyone was hot and sexy, wore white, and drove around in white limousines. What? And he started the first vegan restaurant in California. The first one ever during a time when everyone was like ready for this because they were all taking, you know, LSD and ayahuasca and being like, why would we hurt harm, harm animals? So he started this. It was a smash success and he, the pictures of him, he's wearing like white suits, trilbies, he's got a cane, he's surrounded by these hot he's women in white. He's basically looks like a pimp and he was like a wrestler or a fighter at one point. He said he killed a man with his bare hands. He was a pre- previously was an actor. I mean, this guy is incredible and like, when I watched the documentary, I was like, you know what? I would have joined that cult. Like, look at the outfits and the fact that he funded the entire thing. So, the hierarchy of power completely changes. And he had these big mansions out in like the Hollywood Hills where he best just would supply drugs for everybody to get like messed up for days on end. And they were all taking like hallucinogenics. And it, it was funded by him. And I'm like, I can get behind that. Because the only person that's really being exploited in that scenario is probably him. You know what I mean?
0: What was that one called? The, the Source Family. The Source Family. Yeah, the Source Family. So that's, yeah. That, his, the actual description of the Source Family is much better than. What we Ketchup. wanted it to be, people <laughs> just living off
1: of. <laughs> round Has he got that sauce? one the wrong way round? Where he's really fucked up on one of the fundamental rules about a cult, where he's failed to give it an amazing name. Yeah, but the reality is actually. Mm.
2: He, but he's done it. The source is in the source of life.
1: Oh, I see. Uh, In my yeah. head, I'm still saying. Are, are we now S-A-U saying S-A-U-C-E.
0: that the more examples we get into like that, that not all cults are bad?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, again, cult is a very hyperbolic term, and it's one that academics would never use. I use the word cult, which basically describes m- groups as having something deviant or wrong about them. I use the word cult. Because I feel like I have a right to. And it's not something that is actually okay to use according to academics. Because it describes them as deviant. You're meant to say new religious movements. I'm never going to describe the Children of God as a new religious movement. They were a cult. They were a cult to me. They were deviant. But the the, uh, the word you're not supposed to use it, I however do. But your question of are not our cults all bad. It's like that. some of the groups that I joined in my journey, actually I came away from going like, oh, there, there was one, the Ananda community, for example... Which was the first group that I joined where they are more kind of like meditative and yogic community and they wear robes and they have like you know um, monks etc. I looked at the way that they were raising their kids and I was like, hang on a second, this looks quite nice. Like, you know, they had this school where everything was a bit more a bit more Steiner-esque in the way that they were um, raising their children. They had subjects like uh, self-development in the universe and stuff like that. And I was like, hang on, I want to enroll in this school. So some of the groups that I stayed with actually opened my mind to the idea of that it can be done right not necessarily right but it can be done in a way that isn't harmful for your kids I stayed with a group called Rose Creek that used to be really strict and they were you know Armageddonist and all the rest of it and then they realized at some point that they just couldn't do that anymore they were that was wild they were in a compound in the middle of the forest in Tennessee and I'd heard like quite negative things about them and came and I was taken in by the kind of like leader of the group I wouldn't call them a cult because They didn't come across as such. They came across more as a religious community where, you know, they were all living together. And um, the most interesting thing that I found about these guys, they didn't have TV or music or anything to begin with, but somehow at one point the teenagers were going through a rebellion and the teenagers, I don't know how, found out about Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. What?! (laughs) in a compound in the in the compound in the forests of tennessee and what these kids did who were all having to wear like modest clothing like they were meant to be the new israel they all practiced the river (laughs) dance in secret because they weren't even allowed to really like hang out with each other and then one of the big gatherings that they had like this group had gatherings like every week the teenagers came in and I saw a video of this and even talking about it now gives me goosebumps because the guy who was the leader of this group said to me, I've got something really amazing to show you and put this bit of VHS footage on. I don't know how they filmed it, or whatever. And these teenagers come in proudly. They turn on a tape of. The river dance and all of a sudden they start dancing around with like this magic synchronicity in absolute like powerful like they're still wearing their modest like you know new Israel clothes and they're doing the fucking river dance and this is I'm like what like my mind was blown I was like how did Michael Flatley get into this cult in Tennessee uh, anyway the, the guy who was the leader of the group at that point said to me we realised on that night that we were constraining our children and we realised that we needed to change because this was a proud moment for these teenagers of being like, this is us. Like, this is us. And they did it through, you know, Lord of the Dance, which sounds weird, but it was so powerful. So they changed the way that they were treating their kids and they'd started letting them hang out together. They started letting them wear normal clothes and they essentially just became a community that was intentional community on a farm and was, you know, allowed music, allowed movies, all the rest of that stuff. It kind of, But it was a moment where the kids allowed themselves to be seen. And I think that, as somebody who grew up in a cult, that's the thing that we're all... I think, looking for is that moment that our parents put us first and said, OK, do you know what? He, yes, I get it. I get it. We do believe this, but we want to put you first. And that's what happened in this group. So in answer, this is a very long answer. And I don't know how we got to Michael Flatley, but, um, <laughs> but in answer to your question of are they all bad? It's like, no, they're not. There are groups out there that are putting their children first and that do know how to raise their kids in ways that are different and interesting and, you know, will be a different perspective from the one that, you know, an average child will have. But as long as it's not this harmful experience, then, you know, it comes... From, and if, as long as the intention behind it is good and from the right place, I think that's what, you know, what we should all be striving for. I think
0: it's mental that <laughs> only yesterday we were talking about Michael Flatley. No. Um, because I, th- I actually thought he owned Aer Lingus. No, you didn't. You thought <laughs> he was Ryanair. Ryanair. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like it was actually Michael O'Leary. And I thought it was Michael o'flatley
2: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Right, Joe, let's take a cheeky pause there, shall we, and get some ads.
1: But first, let's thank our lovely patrons, the official sponsors of the Joe Marler show. Andy Big Mac Mackay. They sound like children's entertainers from 1970s Czechoslovakia. It's John and Jacob. Jonathan, Cat in the Hat, Pratt Stuart, Wibble, Wibble, Kibble Craig, Beer, Keller Keller, Stevie, not the producer Jones and Awesome, Awesome, Stadler To be more like Andy, John and Jacob, Jonathan, Stuart, Craig Stevie and Awesome Go to Patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show I'm Ellis James. I'm Mike Bubins, And I'm Steph Guerrero. I would kill off with any footballer to get a Premier League (laughs) game, would you? Not a problem. Ian Dowie. (laughs) We've got a comedy podcast called the Socially Distant Sports Bar. It's Liverpool versus Arsenal here at Anfield. It's the big kick-off. New player Mike Bubins, who got off with Ian Dowie in the week. Jurgen Klopp, of course, said that he's perfectly happy to play... Bubbins in a front three alongside uh, Salah Firmino. Oh, Bubbins, 48 years of age, has never played football, but he's snogged in Dowie for two and a half to three minutes as stipulated, according to Premier League guidelines. Dowie said he's got no idea how good Bubbins is. Word on the street is that he's not great, he's morbidly obese.
0: It's about sport. But not really. He's not fit and he doesn't know where to stand. As his <laughs> first touch is woeful, and I mean woeful. But he got off with the injury.
2: How
1: uh, those out of the room, so.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the new, new guy that I don't agree with, it. Gary do not agree with it.
0: None of the explanations. <laughs> shut up, shut up. I'm gonna die. <laughs> Download it from wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Joe, those were the ads. Uh, should we get back to Bexie Cameron and cults? What about other celebrity
0: rumoured? I say it's rumoured, but they've been linked to cults. Oh, g- can, give us some. You got any on the, uh, off the top of your head, Tom? Well, it depends how you define cult, doesn't it,
1: Bexi? You might help us out here. Scientology, obviously. Tom Cruise.
2: Terrifying. I wouldn't, t- I wouldn't touch Scientology with someone else's barge pole. Really? No, they're, is they're, they're Scientology
0: th- a cult or is
2: it a religion? Ha- I would say it's a cult. Absolutely, it's a cult. Because the intentions behind it... Again, I'm probably going to have Scientologists sifting through my rubbish after saying this on your podcast. But, you know, <laughs> I believe the intentions behind it are are not coming from a good place. You know, it is about... If you've read any of the memoirs of anyone who's grown up in the Scientologists, um, which there is a, a good few... Um. You know, it, it didn't come for, It doesn't feel like it's coming from a good place. And perhaps for the upper echelons, it absolutely works. Like if you have this network of people who are all powerful and there's loads of money and they're high tech and everything, and you're trying to get ahead, like it feels like it works for certain people. But you know, it doesn't feel like what's coming through on the intention side of things. You look at what they do with the whole fair game thing. If someone speaks out against them, and then they're considered to be fair game, and that's their you know their term for it and how they they treat people the shouting in the face the filming them the following them like you can't tell me that that's coming from a place of like love and compassion and that's always been my kind of litmus test as to whether a group is bad or good it's like what is the intention behind your belief even if you're doing something as innocuous as yoga if your intention doesn't come from a place of empathy compassion connection with humankind if you're coming from a place of elitism putting people down or harm that to me I don't care whether you believe in aliens or you know yoga where is it coming from where's the beliefs coming from what is your intention behind that action and I don't believe that Scientology comes from a place of like compassion for the planet is that what you get from from everything you know about them
0: I don't know what I get from Scientology
2: Except for fear.
0: Well, I don't know. There's a little bit of mystery. I drive past their UK headquarters pretty much every day on my way to work. Yeah, it Yeah, it's immaculate. Mm. It's it's impressive. I'm like, fuck! I just want to go in there. It looks spotless. All the like arches and uh, this massive monument that they've got the the tower. It's just like, oh, that looks really. Not cool, but I'd like to go in there. Mm. And apparently you can.
2: Yeah, I met the leader for of the Scientologists for, for the UK. Did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I did. He was a very waxy looking man who you know when somebody shakes your hand and it's like cold and clammy and feels like they've been embalmed embalmed. that's a really good way of putting it but it had a real waxy quality to him and he spoke in these kind of terms of like it doesn't matter what route you take up the mountain the view from the top is but the same (laughs) you know those kind of like where you're like oh am i what's happening is that you know and i remember i went to one of their talks and the woman who was on the stage giving the talk he was behind me and I kept looking over and it was like he was directing her from like the seat at the back and it just gave me this you know and maybe I was being a bit too but it gave me this real feeling of like ominous kind of ness to it, and uh, yeah, he was like him and another cult leader that I met in Tucson had a very similar kind of handshake. I don't know that's really weird to kind a culty of
1: culty handshake. Culty
2: handshake. Well, I, I can't. don't know how to describe this, but let me. I'm, I'm allowed to shake your hand in a pandemic. Okay. It was like that, oh, like a claw wrapping around. But imagine if I had been embalmed, and, and oh, then I was like giving you kind of a lobster claw kind of uh, wrap around. It's, it doesn't feel nice, does it? No. Do you feel violated? Let a me pass bit. it on to
0: you, <laughs> Like, it was like this oh god yeah.
2: <laughs> it's not nice is it but oh this... <laughs> no,
0: do, just do like the wet f- f- fish one. Oh. if you
2: lick your hand first you'll oh, get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a number one way to be a super spreader
0: if
1: people aren't sure if a group or a movement they're joining Baxi is a bit culty is there a checklist I mean, compound I can... seems to be
2: compound is a good one I can give you what my personal opinion on this would be and I, I'm spitballing so this might go wrong if they tell you to stop hanging out with your friends, if they tell you that you shouldn't have any connection with your family, those are red, massive red flags. If they tell you that they, you should start giving them your money... That's a massive red flag. I think the way that I would always describe it is like, you know when somebody's in an an abusive relationship and how they start to control a person is by cutting off all their connection with the outside world, stop dressing how you dress, controlling them. If there's any form of control within it, that's when you need to start asking big questions for sure. Um, If they're telling you, you know, like, it's the contact with friends and family, I think, which is a massive one. I know, like, my grandparents went through a, a real bereavement over the loss of their daughter... That was huge for them, you know, and cutting people off from all of the things and influences that they've had their entire life is a really good way of controlling them, you know, and as I say, the the abusive relationship one, I think, is, a, is quite a good analogy for it or metaphor, whichever one it is. Um, but yeah, if they want your money, if they want you to stop, like, I remember I had a therapy session with a woman once and she said to me, when you're under my care, I want you to stop reading other books and stop listening to other people's advice on your mental health and I was like, "Get to fuck," because <laughs> I'm sorry. The minute someone sorry, t- <laughs> um... but yeah, and that and that was my kind of like first moment of being with her. I was like, if you try to censor what uh, what people are intaking, so that you have a channel into their brains, that's when you should say absolutely not. We should none of us should be censored. What what about free will? We shouldn't be like you know, it's not, it's not like you're going on a diet and we have to like cut things out. It's like we're human beings. Read and consume what you want. So yeah.
1: Do some cults start off with better aims and then they gradually turn dark?
2: Absolutely. Like I'm thinking
1: about Jim Jones, who's one of the most famous cult leaders. Yeah. And the strange thing I found out about Jim Jones, Joe, was that he started off doing loads of civil rights activism and he was getting a lot of incredible things done at a very difficult time, had a lot of supporters, and then there seemed to be this strange turning point, Bexy, where it just went very... Very wrong.
2: Yeah, I think that you can, and this is what I was saying about my own investigation into David Bowie, because I wanted to find out if that was the case. Because that seems to be quite a normal thing to have happened. As far nothing normal about Jim Jones, but as far as the trajectory of money, power, sex corrupting, it seems to be quite a. a it's a common happening between with, with cult leaders. You know, the Ananda group, for example, that I told you about, where I was like, this is actually a really wonderful group. What I took out of that story was the fact that their original leader, Swami Kriyananda, actually got done on a case of sexual abuse by eight women who um, were kind of sexually assaulted by him within the group because he's in a position of power and he, assault- he you know, there was no... There, what they said in the court case is it's no, there's no such thing as a form of consent if somebody's power dynamic is that skewed, which I think is interesting as, a, as an, a, a, an interesting look at consent anyway, whether it's Hollywood or politics or whatever. If, if the power dynamics are that skewed, then consent becomes a much more complicated thing. Anyway, this guy started out as doing something really wonderful, really good, and then at some point he got twisted, believed his own hype. We see this all the time, even with things like celebrities where people go off the, completely off the rails because as human beings, I think it's really tough for our wonderful brains to have people tell us that we are incredible all the time and that we are amazing and you know you see it happening with you know I don't want to say white shaman and just say just white people but I've seen shamans from the western world become corrupt very quickly because as soon as you start believing your own hype is when you let your ego take over if your ego takes over from the idea of spirituality or compassion or good is when you start to get really fucked up what
0: was the one um I listened to a podcast from your former employers, Tom. Sorry. Yeah. I think it was the one that Chris Warburton did. End of days. Yeah. About David Koresh. Yeah. That was completely mental. The standoff with the ATF agents. Oh, it's
2: awful. It was that, do you know what? It's a, that, have you watched any documentaries on it? It's an absolute tragedy what happened there. It was a real tragedy. Like, even when you look at the statistically, they were like, okay, they were holding up all these guns, which is never a good idea, but per person, they had less guns than your average Texan in that compound. And there were children in there. And at what point did they think that it was okay to start blaring out music as if they were, you know, like in some, you know, doing war torture, which of course is not okay they anyway. The, they
0: started doing that through the night. Didn't they, they started they... doing
2: that through the night. And then if you watch, and again, you know, there's lots of theories around it, but you watch a documentary on that and you see the tanks actually blowing like putting fire into the compound where there were children there were children in there i mean like what was going on and weirdly for us like i was in a cult when that happened i was still a kid in a cult but they used this waco to scare us when we were kids about what could happen because the system was so evil so they allowed us well we weren't allowed to watch things like tv they allowed us to watch that group being burnt to the ground
1: Bexy, just for people who aren't aware of what happened there just give us a little bit of background on, on what the cult was who was running it it was
2: david koresh that was running it and um you know i don't know a hell of a lot about their their beliefs but i know that they had a compound they had children on it and he you know was a messianic leader he believed that he was you know a a real prophet and they ended up having a siege between the um with the law enforcement, which they ended up bringing not only police, but tanks in because there was like a huge um, uprising at the time. I think it was in the the 90s. So it was like 93, 94, something like that, where the media's perspective on cults was like, they are absolutely deviant deviant, and they need to be expunged from the planet. And it was a huge, obviously a lot of them were bad, but the the way that everyone reacted was extremely terrified. And they essentially had a siege that lasted, was it for a week? Something crazy like that. And in the end, they got stormed by the tanks and obviously what the government will tell you and I sound like a conspiracy <laughs> theorist don't I oh my god I had you've a real joined the,
0: you've joined that other I had a
2: real moment just then what the government will tell you yeah. guys on a podcast with you guys Um but no that they, what they'll tell you is that you know that they that the compound burnt to the ground and the shots were fired were fired by them first etc whatever happened it was unnecessary and children died in it and there was like two pregnant ladies in there as well and essentially it kind of burnt to the ground I don't even know if it, was there any survivors there were a few people that got out before the kind of actual there siege were ended. survivors
0: there were a couple of i think there was 15 survivors that are still around i think it was 76 including children died yeah and there was a couple of atf agents yeah four or five atf agents that died from it what about the jim jones didn't that end with he poisoned suicide that's, yeah.
2: that's where we get the, how, the, the how, kool-aid from right how, that's yeah, where turn, the, Kool-Aid. the kool-aid comes from how do you you convince someone
0: I can sort of get my head around convincing someone to join the cult and stay in the cult. But how do you then convince someone to take their own life as as the solution? That's what we're meant to do. Hadn't they had some practice runs with that Mm, one, Bexy, where they
1: had they basically practiced the mass suicide and they gave them the same drink without any poisoning. So it became the ritual was there already.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think. In answer to your question of how do you convince somebody that, if you convince somebody that when they leave this world, that there is an incredible, magical, heavenly place that they're going to where they're going to live in a palace and that you are going to be with your Lord and Savior, it's in the same, you know again very clumsy um, kind of connections but in the same way that you know how could you convince somebody to be a suicide bomber you know you're telling them that at the end of this they have like the virgins and all the rest of it and there's this other world that they get to go to I think there's a lot of people who get a real peace out of the idea that the end of the world is coming you know there's a lot of people that even now are in these Armageddonist groups where they think like oh if all of this is over how incredible that will be! That will be. They're praying for it. They're praying for that final day. I was listening to a podcast the other day that was um, talking about a cult uh, that kind of exists mainly on the internet, where they all kind of believe that the end of the world is coming, and there's all, they're all talking about it as if it's like this magical moment. They're like, and we're just praying that today is the day that everything ends, and it's almost like this. It's you know what you could call a death wish, but they're 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 hoping for it. They're willing it on. They're waiting for it. It's not just something. It's not something they're scared of like as kids we were terrified of it but for the adults it's like oh my god and i think that if you tell people that they've got this incredible magical place they're going to where they're they're the overlords and you convince them of that then it's not too far of a stretch to get them to drink the kool-aid is it because you know we'll have a sip of this and then everything's amazing
0: i still think it's too far stretched mainly as in no you're right the way you've described it all but there's no way in a million years that i would be like yeah I'm going to drink that because that's just from my personal perspective. No, I'd rather stay here. Yeah, the world is a bit shit at times, but there's actually really loads of good and fun in the world that I'd rather stick around for. Plus, I don't think... I think Kool-Aid tastes like shit. Mm. <laughs> anyway. It's not nice,
2: is like, it? It's gonna, like Gatorade. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, no thanks. If you're going to... Surely you
0: like nice choose beer a beer or something. Yeah. Yeah. IPA or
2: oh, craft like beer. Yeah, it's in- like
0: your last one. I have a nice, you know, dry cider with cyanide but it? then
2: <laughs> <laughs> a cyanide cider cyanide, a science, cyanide. nearly Port Montour we nearly got there a cyanide, night
0: cyanide. 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 there we go hey we're going out on the cyanides tonight but do you
2: remember I, you know the Osho's O's that I was just talking yeah. about with the wild wild country do you know what they did with the, with all the homeless people they were trying to swing the vote in the town that they lived in so that the Osho's O's could become like the mayor of the oh. entire town so they were politically motivated so this I think is kind of due Genius, and you should probably never say that about like the destructive cult but they went into a local town they picked up something like 500 homeless people they got them all shit-faced so they gave them the cyanide in a way, but it wasn't enough poison in it. I think it had something like, and I, you look it up, but it was something like MDMA or something else what? like that in it. They got them really loose and they took all these homeless people to the voting stations and got them to vote for the Osho's to be the political leaders of the town. And it's like, I can, you know, as a homeless person, like I can imagine like if someone's saying to you, hey, get on this bus, we're going to get you like laced. Um, you'd be like, sure, why not? I don't mind casting my vote for that, and um, I think it, I think it worked. So while you might not be interested in the Kool Aid, if someone said to you, "Here's a, here's a, you know, a a, a, yeah, a, here's a keg of beer laced with something exciting that's going to make you feel a bit fruity and vote for us," you you might be, <laughs> you might be, you know, I'm there.
0: When was the last time you felt fruity, joe it um, looks pretty
2: fruity now
0: fr- fruity uh, when was the last time I took uh, mushrooms uh, <laughs> I haven't that's complete bollocks or have I I don't know what to think anymore this whole fucking episode double episode I'm like oh my god my brain is fried but in a good way that I'm just going to leave here and join uh, Scientology in East He's Grinstead, Grinstead it's Stop local on the way home it's, it's local, local. That yeah, a that's a big attraction that's the yeah. nice it's thing convenient. isn't it yeah. Yeah. it's convenient
2: yeah it's like the co-op on your doorstep isn't it it's, it's easy just popping out it's
1: a Tesco just metro
2: <laughs> just popping out going to get some thetons or whatever attached to you <laughs> oh, I
1: love it what about Charles Manson Bexy so we've got a podcast series called Death of a Film Star And we did an episode about Sharon Tate.
2: Oh, my God. What a tragedy.
1: An awful tragedy. So I, as part of writing that script, had to do a lot of research into Charles Manson. And clearly you feel no sympathy for a man like Charles Manson, whose followers at his bequest committed horrendous, heinous,
2: brutal uh, brutal
1: crimes and murders. But there was something about Charles Manson's early childhood where he was abused in care Mm. and... You don't feel like saying he never had a chance because everyone has a choice. Yeah. But his childhood was so horrific, you got the sense that maybe a certain path was set for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, that's interesting when you look at kind of how people end up being either psychopaths, sociopaths. I know that the, there's a difference between them is one's genetic and the other one is from your kind of uh, your, your surroundings, isn't it? So you can imagine that potentially, and again, I don't remember much from my time at medical school, but I'll give it a whirl anyway. Um, I never went. Uh, I can imagine that for somebody like him, who goes through really traumatic experiences and abuse, etc., you can imagine that they have this specific path. And when you look at the psychology of children, and it's like, what makes somebody turn into someone like him? And what makes somebody not... One of the biggest kind of schools of thought is around this idea of a benevolent witness. The benevolent witness is the person that in these situations where you are being abused, where you're being treated with nothing but contempt, where you are told that you are less than worthless. The benevolent witness can be someone like an auntie, an uncle or grandma, maybe a brother or sister who is there, who's got you, who sees you and says what's happening to you is fucked up. And potentially someone like Charles Manson. I don't know enough about his history. Maybe he didn't have that. So, you know, because I always ask the question, how come some kids go through this horrendous abuse and turn out to be wonderful parents, Yeah, for example? I, 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 that... You know, and, and it's that... There can be a small thing that makes the shift because you need to know that outside of what's happening to you that you are worth something and that you still have purpose and love. And it can just be one person that gives you that. The neighbour of a child that's being abused can be that person, which is why our interactions are so incredibly important, can be so powerful. I don't know if you guys know about the... My story with Walter, um, who was the first person that asked me a question that completely changed my life as, like, an 11-year-old. So I'd just come out of my year of silence and all the rest of it, and he was the first... Journalist, it was allowed into the children of God. And he said to me at, at 11 in my interview with him, he said, What do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd never been asked that question before in my life. And I'd never had an adult speak to me the way that he was speaking to me, which was this there was no mal intent. And I could feel that because kids know what is and what isn't right. We know when a hug's for us or a hug's for you. Mm-hmm. Like we get it. And he said that to me. And I was looking for the lie in his face, being like, Is he? joking around because I knew that I was going to die at the age of 14 and I didn't have an adulthood to look forward to. But when he said that, that was a real crack in the wall. That was a kind of escape route out because I was like, hang on, he's just said to me what I want to be when I grow up and maybe I can grow up. Maybe there is a life outside of this. So to bring it back to um, Charles Manson, it's like maybe when he grew up in all this sense of abuse and stuff, he didn't have somebody who witnessed it or told him he was okay. And that is horrific to think that, you know, these horrible actions come out of a horrible childhood. But also there are many instances of kids who've gone through what he's he went through and who turn into, like, I am amazed by the kids that I grew up with who went through some of these unspeakable things and I look at them as parents now and they essentially go whatever our parents did we're doing the opposite and they are wicked parents and it's incredible and I've seen wonderful families come out of that group so you know there is hope and there is light and there can be the opposite but yeah you're right you know a lot of times you can trace these cult leaders back to you know abuse of their own kind and you know which is horrible to think of how the cycle of abuse works.
0: I just worry about finding excuses for people that have put themselves in those positions. I get it, I do get it from how you've described, well the people that have been abused and grow up to be incredible people there's people that have been abused that grow up to be serial killers. Yeah. There is always a choice and I know it's easy to sit here and go, well hang on a minute, you haven't gone through it to then make that choice and know how hard it is but yeah. I sit on the side of. I think Charles Manson was a bad egg.
2: Yeah, he definitely was. And there's that. Do you ever do you ever think to yourself that there are people that are just evil? Do yeah. you think that everything comes from something, or do you think that there are people that are just born and like you know that whole kind of the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath? As so i was just saying, like this, I think the psychopath is the genetic thing, you know, the lack of empathy. But there are psychopaths out there who have been diagnosed that have lack of empathy, but still don't act on doing awful things. So I think it's a combination of like. And again, I'm completely talking above my pay grade here. I have zero expertise <laughs> no, in we, anything we, we that had I'm had saying. we a uh,
0: <laughs> psychologist. Was he a psychologist or a psychiatrist? Psychologist. He's an expert. We had
1: a guest, Bexy, who was an expert in psychopaths and oh, spent his it. whole wow. career working awesome. with psychopaths. And he was talking about how manipulative they can be and how even though he had the knowledge of how manipulative psychopaths could be at a couple of points he suddenly realised that he was being manipulated <gasps> by the psychopaths that he Ooh, was working
0: with the amount of times he said oh yeah we'd just have like a jam session skip the out have a little jam and I'm like you're sitting there with a psychopath who's like th- and you're just jamming with him mm. he was like yeah I know I mean it was a pretty good jam session to be honest I was like <laughs> Bombers. I think you need to snap. he said luckily I did snap out of it and then realize the thing but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you that there are I think there are people in the world that are just shit and are born <laughs> shit and genetically and That's stuff. the
2: medical term. For Sorry. It, the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: there are people that are, are shit because of a combination of things and and stuff like that but do you think Joe you would ever be
1: vulnerable to a
0: cult? Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, I am that gullible and easily manipulated. And yet I think that I'm not. That's when it's scary, exactly. isn't it? It's like when you, you
2: work in advertising yeah. and you think it doesn't affect you. It's like, you show me one advert and I'm immediately buying whatever it is. I'm so susceptible to stuff like that. The more that you think your barriers are up, the less they are. So bonkers. Um,
0: I don't know about you, mate, but this has been... One of my (laughs) favourites. Absolutely. It's blown my mind. I didn't think, I thought coming in, like, I'll get into some cults, let's hear your story and all that. that," And fucking, (laughs) just splattered all over the fucking studio. Um, And I've loved listening to you. The way you speak, the strength that you've shown. um, Thank you. I think you're wonderful.
2: (laughs) I think you're brilliant. So So,
0: thank you so much for coming on and and talking to me and Tom. Um, It's been an honour. Your book's out. It's out now. Yeah, is it? it's out now. And it's called Cult Following.
2: Yeah.
0: So, uh, thank you.
2: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: What an episode that is, Joe. I do, I do, I do know how I feel, but I don't know how I feel, and I know that I'm contradicting myself with do's and don'ts. But my overriding emotion is, she was brilliant. Yeah. She was brilliant. I really enjoyed listening to her story i didn't enjoy large parts of the story but ultimately it, i enjoyed the way she spoke the the way she's battled through it and then we flipped it a bit with talking about other random cults and and different slightly lighter options of what a cult involves so she was great i loved it Joe I agree with everything you say the only thing I would add is this if you enjoyed the
1: show as well search for Joe Marla Show on Patreon and I'm also going to remind you about that podcast I mentioned during that episode it's called Death of a Film Star the episode I'm pointing you towards is about Sharon Tate these are really deep immersive stories of the film stars who we've loved watching on the silver screen it's the true story of what they went through search for Death of a Film Star wherever you get your podcast from who have we got on next week then? Joe, we've got an expert in pest control. Is that your rat? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Podcast Network.